This is a National Arts Center podcast. Find more great NAC podcasts on the performing arts at nacpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Center on iTunes and subscribe for free. Welcome to NEC Dance with Kathy Levy. In this podcast, Kathy speaks with Lourdes Lopez, Artistic Director of Miami City Ballet, shortly before the company's March 2015 NEC presentation. We learn about Ms. Lopez's introduction to dance and her long career with New York City Ballet. After retiring, she goes on to become Executive Director of the Georges Balanchin Foundation and co-founds Morphosis with Christopher Wielden. In 2012, she is appointed Artistic Director of Miami City Ballet. Uh, I am Lourdes Lopez, and I'm presently the artistic director for Miami City Ballet. I started dancing at the age of five and a half because I had some problems with my legs. I was actually wearing orthopedic shoes, and the surgeon suggested to my parents that I do some extracurricular um, physical activity, something like gymnastics or running after school. And uh, being Cuban parents, I was I was actually born in Cuba. My mother decided to put me in ballet class at the age of five and a half. And at the age of eight, the boots came off and my parents said, you know, we, as immigrants, we just can't afford these classes anymore for you, these ballet classes. But if you really tell us that you love it, we'll find a way. And I remember, and I remember very vividly this conversation in the kitchen and thinking right away that I loved it, that I really wanted to do it. So they moved me to a Russian ballet teacher from the Bolshoi named Alex Alexander Nigodov. And it was Mr. Nigodov who really taught me that this art form has, these steps have names to them and there's a way of doing these steps and there's stories like Sleeping Beauty and Swan Lake and Giselle. And he opened up the world of ballet to me so much so that I really became engrossed in it. Um, and at the age, at 11, I was given a scholarship to the School of American Ballet for their summer course. And I continued that um, going every summer to the School of American Ballet from the ages of 11 to 14. And at the same time, they were paying for my classes in Miami um, here during that, that uh, span. And at the age of 14, I moved to New York with my sister Terry to the, the school asked me to move permanently and study with them year round. So I became a year round student with the School of American Ballet at the age of 14. And at the age of 15 and a half, uh, got into the company as an apprentice and at the age of 16 as a full company member of New York City Ballet. And I danced with um, New York City Ballet under Mr. Balanchine and Jerome Robbins um, really till uh, the age of 39. So I was with them for 24 years. Uh, so I actually saw the transition of after Balanchine passed away, I, um, it, then it was Peter Martins became the artistic director. So I was one of those dancers that experienced the transition from Balanchine um, to Peter Martins. 
Can you talk to us a little bit about the kind of roles that you danced during your time with New York City Ballet and what that was like, maybe make a connection to what that's like to be looking at that repertoire later? Sure. I was uh, I was with the company for 24 years. I actually grew up in New York City Ballet, so there isn't really a ballet um, that I haven't danced or that I haven't seen danced by multiple dancers, including, you know, course soloists and principals. And there are many ballets, actually, that I was uh, under Mr. Balanchine really coached as a core, as a soloist, and then as a principal dancer. So the transition into Miami City Ballet has been, because of the rep, and because of that, the history that I have has been a very almost seamless one because these are ballets that are very familiar to me from the age of 15 and a half, 16, not only from having seen them on the stage, but actually physically having danced them. And in many times during my career, also Mr. Balanchine would set me out front. He would say, go out front and watch or watch from the wings. So I was constantly in, in these rehearsals. And it's um, obviously, it's a uh, vocabulary, it's a style, it's a, a psychology. Uh, it's a way of looking at ballet that is my legacy, that is my heritage, that it's really where I came from. Maybe you could talk then a little bit about what happened after you decided to uh, hang up your ballet shoes, so to speak. At the age of 39, I decided to uh, retire from New York City Ballet. And I like to say that I got tired <laughs> as opposed to I retired. And I did some television work uh, for about two years. I also then moved on to a conservatory in, my, in New York City called Ballet Academy East. Um, I decided that television work wasn't really where my heart was. I, I really wanted to be involved in the arts, not necessarily in dance, but I wanted to be involved in the arts. So I moved over to Ballet Academy um, east in New York and really got involved in their uh, development of, of, from a, you know, a ballet school into a, really a professional conservatory. And I did that for, I believe, about three to four years. And then the most astonishing thing happened is that Barbara Horgan, who's the executor of the George Balanchine Trust, or was the executor of the George Balanchine Trust, and she was Mr. Balanchine's really a right hand for practically his entire career, asked me to become the executive director of the George Balanchine Foundation. And that was really a pivotal moment in my life because all of a sudden I started to, as, a, as the executive director of this foundation, I really started to understand Mr. Balanchine not only as an artist, but really as a man um, and the, the works that he created and why he created them and what was happening in his personal life versus his artistic life. And it opened up a, a world unto him that I um, previously really had not had access to or what wasn't really fully understanding. So it was extraordinary for me those four years that I spent um, with the foundation. And I actually held, was able to supervise and oversee the Balanchine Centennial, um, which we did a wonderful program in St. Petersburg with the George Balanchine Foundation. We had two weeks where uh, we had a symposium where we just focused on, on Mr. Balanchine, his life, his works, uh, the, the music, the composers uh, of his choice. And then we would, uh, it was actually a collaboration between the George Balanchine Foundation, the Hermitage, and the Marinsky. And then in the evening, we would have these performances of Balanchine works danced by the Marinsky dancers. Uh, so it was, it was wonderful for me to be there celebrating his centennial. Um, after that, I was I started a small uh, contemporary dance company with the choreographer Christopher Wielden called Morphosis, and that was in 2007. And we did that for about three years, and that was you know really 
um, very successful, um, not only as a dance company, but also for me specifically because I saw what it meant to start a dance company from the bottom up. In other words, I was responsible for the marketing, the press, the development, um, you know, the budgets, the proposals, the board, the governance, um, putting together rehearsals, getting a ballet master. So I started to understand very on a very small scale really what it took to run a ballet company and um, and again very similar to the foundation they were really uh, formative uh, years for me and and I learned it was very hard work but I really learned a lot um, in 2010 um, Christopher decided to leave Morphosis and really pr continue to pursue his choreographic um, career and I stayed and I had to really rethink of what this company could do. So if it wasn't um, a company with a single choreographer, could I change the model? Could I change um, the vision so that it would continue to somehow uh, produce dance-based works, but without the model, the formal, or, you know, single artistic director. And it was during this transition of Morphosis uh, that uh, Miami City Ballet at the board of Miami City Ballet approached me and said, you know, would you be interested in submitting your name as a possible candidate for um, the artistic directorship of Miami City Ballet? And I had to, I, you know, I really thought about it for a while, even though I was raised here in Miami, but um, it, because it made me think that the reason I left Miami in back in seven, 1972 when I was uh, 14 years old was because there was no dance in Miami. I, I, you couldn't dance here. And so I thought, you know, I had this idea of this city from the 70s, from the early 70s. And uh, I remember coming back and thinking it's there's a vibrancy here. There's a, a kind of cultural renaissance that's taking place. And then there's a company that is his, the former, um, the, the actually the founding artistic director was Edward Villela, who's one of the most extraordinary dancers, you know, male dancers, American male dancers, and a, a principal with New York City Ballet during the, the glory days of, of Balanchine's creative output, his, those years. And so I thought, you know, all of a sudden it just seemed kind of organic. It's um, it's a company with a rep that feels familiar that I am familiar, familiar with and a city that feels organic. So, um, and I found myself here in September 2012. We had the great privilege of working with Edward Villela and bringing Miami City Ballet several years ago, as soon after I started at the National Arts Centre and presenting a wonderful Balanchine program. And Edward had some lovely connections to Canada, having married a Canadian woman. And it was really, it was really a great way to show the company. Um, you and I have worked very closely and um, in a much appreciated way to present a very different kind of repertoire to um, the Ottawa audiences this time around. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about what we're going to see um, in the coming weeks in Ottawa. Absolutely. Uh, we will be opening the program with Richard Alston's Carmen. And it's a, he's choreographed this actually originally for the Scottish uh, ballet. And we're the first American company to be able to perform it. Uh, and it's, he uses the Shedron School, which is very percussive. Um, it's 15 minutes worth of music, but it has, you know, tremendous the, the beat and rhythm and, and percuss, percussion to it. So it's very, very exciting. And, but, but what I love about the Carmen, he's, he sticks to the narrative, um, to the, the story of Carmen, but it is the sets are very minimal. 
and, and actually quite contemporary in, in look and feel, as is Richard's choreography. Not only is he incredibly musical, um, like Mr. Balanchine, which is one of the reasons I was interested in one of these one of his works, um, but the what the costumes. Well, everything else is is minimalist and and modern and contemporary. The costumes are traditional. So there's this kind of interesting juxtaposition in the production that, at least for me truly works. Um, and I was really, as I always say, that I was interested in a work by Richards because I found his musicality very similar to, to Mr. Balanchine's. He's, you know, he really starts choreographing and the creative process starts from the music. And so I wanted something of his works. And when he sent me the links of what was available, I saw the Carmen and I thought, well, not only is this perfect for our company, because half of half of them are from Latin or South America, but it's also great for the, for the community. And it's a narrative work, which Miami City Ballet dancers um, have in their history, and they're also very dramatic dancers, so it's not, um, you know, it's not unusual uh, for them to, to be dramatic and to try to portray characters on stage. Um, then we will, the middle of the program is Tchaikovsky Padida by Mr. Balanchine to Tchaikovsky score. And that's uh, uh, kind of like a fun, uh, you know, very technical, um, but very joyous Padida. That's very well known uh, around the world. And then we close with Alexei Rachmansky's Symphonic Dances uh, with uh, music by Rachmaninoff. And it is just, it's a really unusual piece. It's a work in three sections. And to me, it's a triptych. It's, it's like a, a, a painting that unfolds in three different, in three different ways. It's, it's, one story, a group of individuals, but that you see them or he brings them to you in three different aspects, um, costumes, sets, uh, choreographic feeling, emotions. It's, it's extraordinary. It is an extraordinary and it's very, it's very dense in, in its feeling and its passion and in, in what it has to say really truly about the American, um, I mean, about human relationships and human feelings. I, I, I think you will love it. I think you will love it. I hope you will love it. I'm sure we will. Now, Miami City Ballet is one of many major ballet companies in the States. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about what makes it distinctive, something about the dancers, certainly the repertoire being Balanchine, but what else makes it really distinctive? I think, Kathy, you know, I think every ballet company uh, sooner or later uh, develops the DNA of their city, of the city that they're in. You have to because it's a performing art. And so you want that community in your theater. You want that community embracing you and, and relating to you in some way. And so I feel the same way about Miami City Ballet dancers. They reflect Miami in, in that they are young. There's an energy and there's a vitality uh, about their dancing. There's also an innocence about their dancing. And um, they're not jaded. They're not trying to be anything else. They're not trying to be sophisticated. It's, it's just really open and warmth all the way. Um, and it's a very, it's, it's um, to, to me, it feels um, natural is not the wrong, but comfortable. You know, they are who they are and they're, and they're comfortable in, in showing that, that kind of giving part of, of who they are as, as artists. The other thing that is very evident um, on the stage is that the company is very, is very familial. It really truly is 
a family. And that was something that I walked into. It was there um, really from Edward's years and, and I recognize that. And so what happens on the stage when the curtain goes up is that you get a community of dancers. You really feel that this is a company that dances together, that dances for each other um, and with each other and not just coming in and doing what they need to do and going out. And I think those those two things, their energy, their vitality, their naturalness, um, and their sense of community, their sense of self and of um, their colleagues, really are what come across um, on the stage for me. What are your goals and long-term plans for Miami City Ballet? Well, I, we have, um, these tours are actually very important. We're thrilled uh, that we're going to Ottawa. The dancers love, you know, we tour South Florida. Um, we have uh, 38 weeks of work and we have four theaters that we call our home here in South Florida, Naples, uh, Miami, Broward, and West Palm Beach. But the idea of going to Ottawa, of touring, of being able to show the, the, the how the, this beauty, how extraordinarily, um, you know, energetic and, and present um, these dancers are is a thrill for me and it's also a thrill for the dancers. So touring is something that's really very uh, foremost in my mind because I think it's important to for the visibility to be seen. Um, the other thing is I, you know, we hope to continue to commission works by um, by living choreographers. I think that's a, a gift that you can give a dancer to have someone who's alive in front of in front of them and really pulling something out of them as artists that perhaps I haven't seen as their artistic director and kind of um, getting these artists, getting these dancer, dancers to think differently, to dance differently maybe, to think about themselves in a, in a different way. So commission is, commissioning is a, a large part of what I hope to do in the future, as is, as much as I adore Mr. Balanchine's, um, you know, catalog of, of works and and, uh, um, and certainly Robbins, I'm, I'm also interested in giving these dancers as many opportunities for other choreographers like Forsyth, like Wilder, like Peck, like Ratmansky, um, some European choreographers as well. I, I think that the more information you give an artist, obviously of a very high caliber, very high level, but the more information that you give an artist, the better off, um, the more uh, nuanced artists you're going to get back. Um, you're going to get back an artist with more colors, uh, with a, a greater understanding of themselves, of the art form, of their audiences. So I would say commissioning and, and really increasing Miami City Ballet's rep um, are my two goals. Are you interested in choreographing? No, zero. That is one of the things I don't even, I, I don't even hesitate. Like, like when my father asked me, do you still want to continue dancing? I didn't hesitate. No, I have no interest in choreographing. I, I, I'm in, in awe. I, I so respect those minds that listen to music and visualize steps. And, but I have no interest, um, at all. No. Um, can you describe a typical day in the life of Lourdes Lopez? I'm very lucky because I have a family. So my day actually starts at 5.30 in the morning. I have a 25-year-old that's in New York, but I have a 13. My husband and I have a 13-year-old that lives with us, obviously, here in Miami. So my day starts at 5.30 in the morning where I, and I drive her to school, and then I, I'm usually at the ballet by 7.38. Um, I'm doing paperwork, usually from 8 to about 10, and I teach three times a week, so I actually teach quite a bit. So I'll go into class from 10 to 11.30. I have rehearsals 
pretty much all day. There's an hour and a half uh, break for lunch that I use to have meetings. And then I go back in the studio and we're usually done by, I'm usually done by 637. Um, I've made, I've made a point and this is very important for me to have both the staff here, the administrative staff and the artistic staff understand that I need to be in the studio. Um, and that's because I, I felt very much that way with Mr. Balanchine and with Jerry. I grew up with these choreographers and my teachers in the studio. And um, I think that's uh, it's important for dancers to really have the person who um, has the vision for the organization and the person who's um, really hoping to develop them in, in some way and, and move them as artistic pawns in a good way um, so that they're growing, so that they're evolving. I have to be in the studio to really understand them and for them to understand me. So um, that's the most difficult part of my life right now is, is managing the administrative, which is incredibly important. And I need to be involved in all of that. But finding, finding time to do that where it doesn't really interfere with the artistic, um, I'm a, a firm believer that it starts with the artistic product and everything else um, is under that. Well, I really look forward to having more time with you in Ottawa. And thank you so much for your time today to uh, help us present the company to our audience. Not at all. See you very soon. See Bye-bye. you very soon. Take care. Bye. That's all for this NEC Dance Podcast. Please send us your comments and questions by email at necpodcasts at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to NEC Podcasts at nec-cna.ca backslash podcasts. You can also find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. This has been a National Arts Centre podcast produced in Ottawa by NAC New Media. Send us your comments and questions. Email us at nacpodcasts at gmail.com. Visit the podcast section of the iTunes store where you can rate and comment on this podcast. We love to hear from you. Remember, you can find more great NAC podcasts at necpodcast.ca or search on National Arts Centre on iTunes and subscribe for free. 
Until next time, goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. Thank you.